It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Yeah, no more of this speculation, no more anticipation. We actually have games to discuss, both past and near future. It is J.C. and Morgan, another installment, number 209, if you're scoring at home. But it's always a little bit extra special uh, when you're talking about actual games during the season. J.C., you and I were talking before we signed on about the fact that uh, I mean, you and I just it, it just feels so natural to go like 90 minutes, if not more, even in the dog days of summer. I mean, that's a beautiful thing about this sport that we call college football. We, there's always stuff to discuss. Uh, so this time of year, I don't want to say it gets easier for us. But I think the biggest challenge for us becomes how to funnel so many things that you want to talk about into that window of an hour 15, an hour 30, whatever it might happen to be. Uh, so that's our biggest challenge. We got a ton. Week zero is come and gone. Week one is coming up. He's J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I'm Mike Morgan. The Mad Dog, Phil Molinax, not Mad Max. Phil Molinax, our producer extraordinaire. We welcome all of you tuning in on every platform imaginable from whew, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and, of course, now the YouTube channel, uh, Twitter and Facebook, everywhere you want to find us. If you just want to listen to us, if you just want to watch us and make fun of us profusely, you can do that as well. JC is the uh, gentleman on the left. I am on the right. JC's background has a picture of him and Snoop Dogg. Why wouldn't it? Uh, I have a picture of NRG Stadium in Houston where the national championship game will be played on January the 8th. And with all that being said... JC, how are you this Tuesday morning? How was your weekend? How are you feeling about the upcoming week? Oh, yeah. It's uh, always exciting to kick off the season. Uh, you know, week zero was okay. <laughs> I think I expressed my opinion on that. But uh, mm-hmm. there were some interesting games and some games, quite frankly, that, uh, you know, I don't know, some underdogs performed a little better than I thought. Um, San Jose State covered against Southern Cal. Um, I told you San Jose State would score points. Yeah, they 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 did. did. That was the most entertaining game in a lot of ways. Of course, nobody saw it. Special teams breakdowns cost them tremendously. And I know you'll talk about uh, Zachariah Brown later. Boy, what a player. Mm. Um, I thought Notre Dame looked extremely polished, midseason form almost, against Navy. And people are like, well, it's just Navy. Well, look, they play Navy every single year, and it's not always like that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a season opener against a triple option team. I don't care what you say. That's not always easy. And they look like a different team than last year, uh, I think, with uh, uh, their line has gotten better. Um, their quarterback situation obviously has gotten a lot better. I I, I have some high hopes for the Irish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and then some other games that, that, that happened um, – uh, you know, UMass goes into Las Cruces and downs the upstart Aggies, uh, which I didn't expect to happen. You know, New Mexico State's coached by Jerry Kill, who's a hell of a coach, and went to a bowl last year. UMass is, you know, probably one of the worst teams in Division One A FBS. But, hey, big win for the Minutemen, so congratulations to them. 
Uh, you know, and, and then South Carolina State Bulldogs did not do so well against Jackson State. Hats off to Jason Brown of Jackson State, who used to be at South Carolina and then Virginia Tech and finally at Jackson State and threw for 400-plus yards. Um, always thought that kid was better than people gave him credit for. Uh, and he showed it uh, on Saturday night. So those are my thoughts. Also, want to mention the Chief app. Uh, everybody's downloaded that. We were going, you were going through the different ways you can consume the podcast. Uh, Chief app is one, and we've got new programming on the Chief app. By the way, if you're in South Carolina, right. uh, South Carolina Sports Talk with Phil Cornblut will be streaming on the Chief app each and every night. So you get a classic there. It's like, uh, boy, you got all these Porsches and Ferraris you're driving around, and then you get to go uh, check out a pristine 57 Chevy right? with <laughs> Phil that takes you back. Uh, and Phil's still rolling and does a great job and certainly very flattered and happy that he's a part of that. But yeah. anyway, you know, beyond that, we're, we're doing well, and I can't wait to get the season kicked off. I guess Thursday night there's a, quite a slate of games. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff, uh, and again, uh, appreciate uh, Sports Talk being a part of the Chief app as well. If Phil's one, of, we had Bill King on. We did a two for two podcast uh, slash shows last week. We had Bill King on, and we talked about his recruiting. Um, you know, one of the OGs in that recruiting space. Well, Phil Cornblut would certainly qualify that as well. So even if uh, you're not familiar with him, based on uh, some of the stuff that goes on in the Palmetto State. He's been a, a national recruiting guy in a lot of ways for many, many years. Um, so check that out as well. I had an interesting Monday. I was playing in a, a golf tournament, uh, 680 The Fan, which uh, is long been the number one sports station in, in the Atlanta market for a, a number of years. Uh, I first started doing stuff there when I was uh, – doing Braves games and Braves shows and uh, still do some shows there from time to time on an afternoon drive with the, you know, the Chuck and Chernoff show and what have you. And so they invited me out there and it's a golf scramble. And I, I don't think you play a lot of golf, JC. I, I play a fair amount, but I'm, I've never been good. <laughs> it's one sport I just cannot uh, get a hold of, but I still enjoy playing. And in those events, there's not much pressure, right? Cause you play the best ball. So you just try to help out here, get a, get a good drive, get into one on a couple holes, sink a couple putts, a couple of uh, pitching wedge shots. And so we had fun. We weren't going to, we weren't going to take home any trophies, but uh, there was all kinds of like swag bags and everything else. But you, you get partnered up with people typically you don't know. So I got partnered up with three people from Pepsi and you know, one of them is a guy that kind of looks like me, you know, just regular guy. And then these two other guys that I'm partnered with don't look like us at all. Uh, these are athletes, like real legit athletes. So one of them is the name of, is Alfred Williams. When I first saw the name on the golf cart, I was like, oh, the linebacker from Colorado. Like, nope, not that one. The linebacker from Duke who played uh, – played high school ball with Cam Newton in College Park and then played under Ted Roof and David Cutcliffe. My, in fact, my favorite story from him was he uh, when Cutcliffe took over, and we think of Cutcliffe as this soft-spoken, like just super nice guy, which every time I've dealt with him as, as a coach before he retired, that's what he was. But even those super soft-spoken, nice guys can, can get a point across, and that's the way he described David Cutcliffe. First thing he did when he took that job was said, we are way too fat of a team. We got skinny guys who are too fat, and we got big guys who are too fat. We need to lose 1,000 pounds. And they did. 
They literally they measured everybody on the scale from start to finish, and in in aggregate, they lost one thousand pounds. And people will forever remember David Cutcliffe as having the best run in Duke at Duke since Spurrier. And Spurrier was only there three years. Cutcliffe sustained it for longer than that. But that was an interesting story. And then Oliver Jones, this guy steps out of his golf cart, all six, seven of them. He was 320 when he played for Clemson. Uh, he's a little bit lighter now. But uh, he blocked for Deshaun Watson and some of those uh, ACC championship teams. He didn't play on any of the national championship teams. But um, anyway, just two super guys. And it was just great to just talk ball for 18 holes. You know, four or five hours, and as, as I'm shaking shots, I'm just talking ball. And it got me really primed and how excited I am about another college football season. So uh, that was cool. I did see Swamp Kings. It was disappointing in that it just left too much meat on the bone. Um, look, we could do a whole expose on Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, the, the one thing I will say for those that – think that Urban Meyer is just a byproduct of like getting a bunch of bad kids to win games. Urban Meyer won wherever he was. Urban Meyer won at Utah. Those kids didn't get in a bunch of trouble. Urban Meyer won a national championship at Ohio State. I don't think, JC, if memory serves, they had a bunch of kids getting arrested. Uh, And he won two national titles at Florida. And yes, there were certainly some bad apples there, but like that's not why they won at Florida. Urban's biggest problem was because the same. This is what I always get a kick out of, JC, and you know this. When a guy gets in trouble at a school you hate, healthy hatred is what I call it in college football. Healthy hatred. The natural inclination for the opposing fan bases is, is to say, "Ah, see, that's the kind of kid they recruit." Your school recruits the same kid. They're all going after the same five-star, four-star kids. There, there aren't a bunch of coaches going. Well, I'd like that five-star, but he's not my kind of kid because I heard in the 10th grade he got into uh, some some stuff. They're all recruiting the same kids. Uh, so Urban Meyer, there's, there's, without question, is one of the best coaches of our generation. He's also one of the most unlikable people, and that's what the documentary failed to really document. It failed to document – like, if you really want the – if you want the, the – uh, just juicy details and the, the the worst of the worst. Watch the Aaron Hernandez documentary. I mean that that dude was was bad from the start and got progressively worse. And when you're a bad human being and you got a lot of money, it's amazing. You know, then all of a sudden you got a lot of weapons and then you got you feel like you can get away with anything, including murder, which obviously he did not, but he tried. Um, but they failed – like, even if you don't want to get into, like, why everybody can't stand Urban Meyer, including with several Florida fans, I might add, at least get into the downfall. Like, they just glossed over 2010 when Marcus Lattimore is running all over them, and you could just see the wheels coming off that machine that Urban had built. It wasn't just burnout. Like, they were – recruiting wasn't hitting the way it was before, all these things. So I thought they missed a golden opportunity uh, a lot of people think that because it glorified the, the Florida years. Well, of course, it's going to talk some about that, but they could have done more about how it all went downhill, and they just kind of glossed over it and said, okay, four episodes done, we're in the can, on to the next story. That, to me, was disappointing. Well, two things happened in uh, 2010. It, first of all, half his staff left. That was when Charlie Strong got Louisville, I think, and Dan Mullen got Mississippi State. Uh, 
I think I think Mullen left before that. He was gone. He left in 09. Yeah. And then in 2010, uh, uh, Strong left. Or maybe they both left before that. But And he's talked about, like, his staff leaving. And he, he hired a bunch of guys he didn't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't, that, you know, that didn't work too well with him. Uh, you know, I think, I think actually Steve Adazio may have gone to Temple, too, at this point in time. Um, and then, okay, so Florida, in the class of 2010, they signed what was considered at the time, and it's amazing because this was Jimbo Fisher's first real class at Florida State, too, and that, that class ended up winning the national title. At the time, numerically, and this held, I think, until, like, one of Alabama's classes topped it or something. I know that A&M class topped it. This was supposed to be the best recruiting class in the history of college football, numerically. Uh, and they had a lot of guys in that class that were good ball players, but then a lot of guys in that class that were good ball players that were just not dudes that you you want as, as a part of your program. So the locker room was poisoned. I mean, when Will Muschamp took over, Jeremy Foley told him to clean it up. Yeah. Kicked a lot of guys off the team. A lot of these guys stayed injured. Uh, a lot of guys got hurt. I mean, it just was not – and I think he sensed that. And then in 2010, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk in that documentary about Steve Spurrier. People keep in mind Steve Spurrier beat him by 22 points in the swamp of the SEC East on the line in 2010. Uh, and he almost gave it up in, after 09, if you remember that correctly. Uh, you know, he had, uh, they went and beat, uh, there was all that talk that he was going to leave and all that after losing to Alabama. Um, and then he said, oh, okay. And he coached against Cincinnati in the Sugar Bowl and they ended up talking him into staying another year. But, uh, I think, you know, he was just in a, in a pressure cooker there. And I think that Florida job is a pressure cooker. Look how, how long most coaches last there, you know. Uh, and it doesn't matter the personality type. They've had good dudes like Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain. They've had jerks like Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen. Uh, a good dude like Ron Zook. You know, they got Bill, Billy Napier, who, you know, is kind of a, like a cyborg guy now, but a good guy. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, it's, 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 the, it, that job will chew you up and spit you out. It's what I call a new money school. Schools that did not have a history of success that end up having unprecedented success. And and this is Florida athletics across the board. You know, before the 90s, Florida was not good at most things. They, they had the Spurrier-Heisman run, and that was about it. And, uh, and, and God forbid, men's basketball was atrocious uh, until uh, Norm Sloan got into the tournament. Then Lon Kruger had the breakthrough team in the Final Four. Then Donovan really got it rolling. Um you know, those fans are a little more panicky with with things. Unlike an Alabama who's been good for 100 years, uh, you know, who will fire coaches? But it's not as intense. It's not There's not as many nerves because they know they're Alabama and eventually they're going to be back. Um, Florida's the, the new money fan base down there, so to speak. You know, they're a little bit more aggressive. Uh, and it is tough. And, and I think it was tough coaching – uh, in Spurrier's shadow to a certain extent, not necessarily competing against him, because I think Urban was, what, 4-2 and two against the Gamecocks. I beat him pretty good several times. But uh, I, I, I think that, you know, there was not enough time that had lapsed. The Zook era only lasted, what, two and a half years? 
Yeah. Uh, and then Urban comes in there and, and sets a new standard and starts winning. Uh, and they expect the consistency and to win every year. Uh, if you look at Urban Meyer at Ohio State, the reason, you know, some of the, the baggage that Carrick, you know, that followed him around at Florida was a little different than what happened at Ohio State. Ohio State was, uh, you know, Earl Bruce's son-in-law or, or grandson or whatever that dude's name, Zach Smith's tie to Earl Bruce was, was a bad dude, and they kept covering it up. Uh, they kept covering up his uh, grievances or, or his uh, his issues. Uh, I don't remember a bunch of Ohio State kids getting in trouble. Remember, the whole reason he had that job is because poor Jim Trestle had an autograph scandal. <laughs> Seems kind of crazy now, doesn't it? Uh, and ended up getting canned because of it. Marley, Maurice Claret and all that situation. But Ohio State, by and large, had good citizens. So did Utah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't one of those things where he left Ryan Day this roster that was not you know self entitled or whatever. I mean, look at look at Ryan Day and his success. He's only lost six games. Uh, you know, the Michigan series notwithstanding. So I I I, I think Urban Meyer is a complicated figure. I do. I think he's a great guy. No, enough's out there about him. Even the comment he made where he says, I'll treat my stars like stars and my shh, S-H-I-T, yeah. like S-H-I-T. Mm. That, that's, that's that, you know, Lou Holtz, I'm going to smile at you and be one way and then uh, be another way behind the scenes. That's, that's not very nice. Uh, so I, I don't think he's going to win any awards for, you know, being this loving coach and, and all that. And, and you know, it, it comes to reason now. Do I – if Urban Meyer stepped in and took over a major college job now, number one, I do think he'd win. But number two, you know, he'd have to have the right staff. And number three, kids today, as our society rapidly evolves, they don't respond well to stuff like that. So maybe he wouldn't have success. I don't know. I know in the pros it was a disaster. I think he'd still win. Yeah, it was I, a disaster I, in the pros. I think he'd still win in college at the right at the right spot. I mean, he's still going to re- – He's still going to recruit well. He's still going to – first off, he'd only take a marquee job, right? Like he's not yeah. going to rebuild Middle Tennessee State. So he'd get a marquee job. He'd get players. And he can coach. I mean, there's no doubt about that. That's what makes him a complicated figure. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, in a lot of ways, you mentioned Lou Holtz. He was a complicated figure. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And having covered him, I mean, hey, threw his own son under the bus as coordinator. He – he was a, a lot of the best guys are complicated people. They just are. And, and Steve Spurrier was great for the people inside that locker room. You won't hear many players say a bad word about him, but my gosh, he had an entire nation of college football fans despising him for running up the score and saying things that most coaches didn't say at the time. And and Nick Saban is not exactly beloved by everybody in in the college football end. That's that's okay. Like that's that's all right. But there's a. Um, I do think there's a difference though, because I, you know, in, in when you talk to their players, that, that, that's the yeah. thing. It's like everybody thinks Will Muschamp is this guy that, for example, that just screams and hollers and yells and blah, 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 you know, like a Neanderthal. When in reality, he's a really good guy that cares about his players, Absolutely. and every single guy that played for him will tell you that. Absolutely. Um, you know, you've got uh, you know Dabo Sweeney, uh, you know. And I'm sure some of the Gamecock fans listening will disagree, but all of his players love it. You know, that it, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, the, the religious stuff. You can say what you want about that aside. I mean, it, it, it's, it's legit. Well, then you, you know, some other people. You know, maybe maybe it's a Chip Kelly. 
no relationship with his players, you know, none. <laughs> and it's just, just a really good coach. Uh, so are, there are all these complicated figures out there. It's the ones that put on one act. And I don't know that Urban did. I don't know that Urban Meyer, I think, I, I think when you, you don't like look at him like, like with Holtz, you think, oh, there's this loving old grandpa kind of, I just love my players so much. And then in reality, he's a jerk. And lots of people around Notre Dame and South Carolina, where else he's been, know that. Tyrant. Yeah, I, Tyrant is the word that comes up. And, uh, you know, that, those are the people you look out for. I think, I think Meyer complicated is probably the best way you could describe it, Mike, because it, you do have some of his players that love the guy to death. You do have a lot of stigma that's attached to him negatively. Um, but then I also don't know that he was out there pretending to be something that he wasn't. No. That, that third category <laughs> is something that I'm like, that. that's what it gets me is when, when you're fake. And, yeah, uh, there, yeah, there wasn't anything fake about him. I, I, I don't think he was likable just in general interview. Like, I don't think anybody ever described Urban as likable. Like, Lou Holtz was likable to some at some moments. Pete Carroll was likable. Jimmy Johnson was likable. Um, you know, and I, I, I mentioned that analogy, and then we, we got to move past this subject. But those those are coaches that all had, um, let's just say, some some stuff on the way out, right? Did not end well for for any of them, and scandals and this and that. The difference is they all. You listen to the fan bases when they talk about those coaches in retrospect; they all love them to death. And that's not the case with Urban Meyer. And I don't know how it is in Columbus, Ohio, either. I know they brought, he brought them a national title, but something tells me there's a lot of people there. They're like, glad what he did, but I'm not a big Urban guy. Um, so that, it, it, it is. It's, it's a compli- He's back in TV now. I don't think he's going back to coaching. He certainly doesn't need to. Uh, but anyway, I, the, the, the documentary, like, it was okay. If nothing else, I, I just love – the thing I love about documentaries, I can't get enough of old footage, and I say old in quotation marks. We're not talking that long ago, but it, in a lot of ways it felt like forever ago because you were watching a program that was on top of the world. And remember now, this was right before Saban took off. Saban's ascension at Alabama began with an upset win, and I use that term lately as well because it was one versus two, in Atlanta against Florida uh, and that was Tebow's senior year, and it was just the year that they were supposed to run it back, right? Go back to back. And Greg McElroy and that Alabama team ran wild on Florida, and Florida never recovered. Never. And you could question the coaching hires, you can question everything else, but I've always said this, it, it's, it takes a lot more time to build something into a power in college football, but it can disintegrate just like that. Just like that, you could fall off the you could fall off the high horse. Whether it's Texas, whether it's Southern Cal, whether it's Miami, whether it's Florida State, whether it's Florida, whether it's Michigan, Ohio. I mean, you name it. You you watch all these these powers in college football that had a great run, and how long did it take them to sink? Not that long. The, the holes were already in the bottom of the Titanic at the hit the iceberg, and it was just like okay. What's the clock on this thing before it's completely submerged in the Atlantic? Back to the Titanic reference, I should have mentioned Klyovkov in that same sentence. Absolutely. Yeah. Whole conferences can go sink in a matter of time. Yes, they can. I yes, mean, yeah, can. think about the mid two, mid-2000s, Mike. Who here thought that Southern Cal wasn't sustainable? 
Oh, I thought they'd be good for the rest uh, of my ten life. Ten-year run. Power I mean, I good. Thought, I mean, and, and then one thing happened, and then so the NCAA, the Reggie Bush thing, Pete Carroll scratches his itch to go back to the pros. Which, I mean, and, and by the way, there's a legit dude, too, by the way. Pete Carroll. Like, yeah. uh, like, man, my name's Pete, man. I'm really cool. And, uh, yeah, I didn't think that would work with the Seahawks at all, and arguably it's not now, but the dude won a Super Bowl. You know? Oh, yeah. I thought, and I've met Pete Carroll before. He's as legit as it gets. People don't understand that about him. But I thought that was going to, that train was going to keep rolling. I mean, there was no way. There was no pro football in Los Angeles. SC was the team that could go select recruits from across the country. Plus, they got everybody good in California. I mean, it was, and then, you know, gradually it started. You, know, you had the NCAA sniffing around. Then, Oh, there's this upset loss to Carl Durrell and, and, and UCLA in that game, and you're scratching your head going, how'd they do that? And then, wah, 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 wah. All of a sudden, they're in the San Francisco Bowl, and Pete's gone to Seattle. Here comes Lane Kiffin with a 53-man roster because of probation. So yep. it, it, it's weird. That's what's so impressive about Alabama, I, I think. Alabama, uh, they, there has been no dip. There have been years mm-hmm. where they did not win at all, but they're still one of the top three programs and teams in the country year in and year out. They always recruit in the top three. I think that uh, I think that's the Nick Saban thing. I mean, taking a program over from Nick Saban, whoever gets that job, you know, people are like, I don't want to be the guy that follows the guy. I would actually say the opposite because he's the guy, you know, and I mentioned the 57 Chevy earlier. He's the guy that takes the Corvette, drives it for 10 years. You've got the oil change documented to a T every right, single right, time. He's right. got all the receipts, all the maintenance. That's the, right. The interior's pristine. It's waxed. Mm-hmm. It's full of premium gas. The oil's changed. It's got all new parts that need it. The tires are not bald, and you just get it and drive it. You know, whereas some other coaches, some other legendary coaches, you get in that car and it's just beat all to hell and there's cigarette butts in the, in the, the floorboard and, you know, maybe a, maybe a half eaten cheeseburger in the, in the back. Some of those old, you know, the old fries, like when you were a kid, when you dropped the open fries. ketchup packets ketchup. everywhere. Yeah. It's just disgusting. And one tire's bald. I mean, it, 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 you know, it doesn't necessarily end, end well. Uh, but with, with Nick, I think it will. And I think that's just, uh, that's who he is and why he's the goat. That's why he is the GOAT. All right, so we ran over in the first segment. No biggie. We're going to take a break here. Uh, by the way, keep the chats coming, too. We like that on chat row. Also, the uh, mailbag is open. Go to jcandmorgan.com, and the mailbag tab is there. We'll uh, read your question or comment on the air. When we come back, it'll be the JC5 also coming up later on in the show. We're going to take a deep dive into the last three Pete champions, since that's a major subject with Georgia vying for that as well. And um, a couple other things. As well, obviously, we'll review week zero, get into week one. What are the top matchups of week number one? There's a couple under the radar matchups that we'll talk about as well. JC and Morgan coming at you here on a Tuesday. If you're watching or listening live, we'll be back after a quick timeout. 
If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in the Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time the roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. And we are back, J.C. and Morgan here on a Tuesday. All right, it is time for the segment that truly America, the morale of a great nation, relies solely on the J.C. 5. What comes through on this will dictate a number of things, the stock exchange, uh, the overall economy, everything basically is on what J.C. comes up with in the J.C. 5. No pressure, J.C., why don't you break it down for us, please? It always starts better when you're unmuted with the JC5. So, okay, the morale just took a little bit of a hit. Took a little bit of a hit. Dow Jones just went down 30 points, but we're going to recover right here. Yeah. By the way, unknown TA in our in the chat box here went to high school with Oliver Jones. He went to 96 high school. That's I right. Covered, I covered both those guys, Alf Williams and that kid as a recruit. So I felt old, Mike. Yeah, well, you, know. you felt old. I was playing golf with him, and he's <laughs> telling me about you know what it's like to 
commit in 2008 or whatever it was. Um, no, no Twitter back then. All the websites right. did it. We could put a story up on our website that said new commitment with the picture of the coach and sell 27 subscriptions. <laughs> can't do that anymore. Can't do it anymore. So can't do it anymore. But yes, Oliver's very, very good people. Uh, yeah, yeah, very, very. I enjoyed dealing with him. I really did. Really did. I, I wasn't, I wasn't covered South Carolina at the time. It was just about Southeast. He said Sean Elliott almost got him to go to Carolina. He was very enamored with Sean Elliott. Yeah, as a guy that has a great rep as a offensive line coach. Sean, yeah, Sean liked him a lot. Sean, Sean did a good job. So okay, JC five. Okay, so Notre Dame. We talked about. Indy, and uh, I guess till I moved to Chicago, I never heard him referred to as Indy, like in yeah. count conversation. It was always Irish or Notre Dame, but Indy, Indy. That's what I they say. Indy. Catch on with me. I Indy. don't. I, I don't know. I, if I say it, I don't mean to. It's, it's me hanging out with these people. Um, <laughs> how much can we take away from the performance? And and my opinion is a lot because they play Navy every. Like I said, they play Navy every year. Navy's not always an easy out. They looked like a complete football team to me, Mike, in that game in Dublin. What say you? Well, a couple things. First off, you're right. Navy is never an easy out. I will say Coach N had Navy rolling. Uh, and when you had Malcolm Perry, at quarterback, like a legit Heisman Trophy candidate, you know, they that was a that was a better Navy. I don't know what happened to the Navy program. I the, the the service academies are always that has to be one of the most difficult jobs in college football. Um, you're not dealing with the same type of uh, player pool, obviously, and different things going on in the in the world can affect who's available and who's not. I would assume. Uh, so I won't even try to wager a guess why it's gone downhill in Annapolis, which by the way is a beautiful beautiful campus. Um, but that being said. Everything you said at the top is true. The offensive line could be the best in um, college football. Their their goal is with the alt guy who might be the top tackle in the draft. What's the name of the award that goes to the best offensive line in college football? Not one guy. It's, a, it's not Outland. Outland's D line. No, that's yeah. Well, yeah, and, and again, we're not talking one player. This goes to the offensive line oh, unit. The best offensive line. Some, somebody will somebody will get that. I I just forgot it. But anyway. They might have the best offensive line in college football, which is they've had one of them for a while now. That's really nothing new. Uh, it seems like they've got that a lot. Uh, it's the, the Joe Moore Award, by the, the way. The Joe Moore Award, thank you. Ap- aptly named. <laughs> yes. Joe yes. Moore. So, and, and this is what Southern Cal is going to face, Ohio State's going to face. Like, what you saw, even though it was Navy, that's how Notre Dame is going to beat a lot of people. They are going to gash you. They are going to helmet on helmet. We, you're not going to be able to match up with us. They always have just behemoth of tight ends. Now, I don't know if I love their wide receiver room. That that's the one thing that has been missing recently at Notre Dame. Uh, and then the the knock on Notre Dame's defense is they just don't have the overall speed that your typical SEC juggernaut like a Bama, LSU, Georgia typically has. But as you and I have talked about already on this show. Um, by the way, Remington is the best center award. Somebody was asking about that. The the award or the the issue with uh, Notre Dame is going to be those particular things. And as we've talked about, they have a chance to be one of the best programs that we're not talking about. And now all of a sudden we're talking about them again, which I don't know if you want because now all of a sudden the secret is out and you got a you got a target on your back. Look, 
They go 11 and 1 with that schedule. The schedule was credible enough. If they go 11 and 1, they're in the playoff. They go 12 and 0, obviously they're in the playoff, but I think if they go 11 and 1, I think they get in. The question is, can they avoid two losses with some even the at NC State game is not a gimme. Uh they they've got a schedule that it yes, it has some cupcakes, but overall is pretty legit. And I'll say this again, I, I've been a Sam Hartman guy for a while. Uh, I've called a few of his games. He is the real deal. He's the ACC master. How many people know that? It's just kind of like, oh, he is at Wake Forest? Yes, mm-hmm. he is. Um, and it's not exactly like they were running, you know, they're, they're running shoot there in Winston-Salem. He he is what they have lacked. He is what they have needed. And now they have him. So to, to answer your question in a roundabout way, I make of the fact that everything I thought about Notre Dame showed up on uh, on Saturday and Sam Hartman just as good as advertised. Ohio State, Clemson, Southern California. Those are three teams that have more speed than Notre Dame in theory. So mm-hmm. they'll be tested. And, and those, oh, yeah. three, those are three big games. I mean, I, I, two are at home in South Bend, and then they go at Clemson. So that's, uh, that's your season there, Irish fans. Uh, those three games and, uh, hope, yeah, and things like the NC State game don't get upset. Watch this happen. And, uh, I hope my fiance is not listening because she's going to kill me. Uh, they'll go undefeated except they'll lose at home to Wake Forest. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. Maybe not though. Well, crazier we'll, things have happened. Well, Wake That's Forest not that out there. They'll jump up and bite you so that wouldn't that be like, well, yeah, they're for, well for every, Everybody that hates the transfer portal, that will be poetic justice, but no, yeah. I, I don't know. That, that um, would be something. So everybody in the South, watch the Vandy-Hawaii uh, game, because that's just what we do. Um, 35-28, and Hawaii could have won the game had it not been for some self-inflicted wounds. In your opinion, is Vandy not as good as maybe we thought? Because I think everybody, me, you, uh, Jamie Bradford on our Gamecock show, uh a lot of the pundits, maybe they picked Vandy last, but they said, well, it's realistic this team gets to a bowl. I, I don't know. I didn't think they looked all that good on uh, on Saturday night. Is, is it that or just maybe first game, you know, crap that happens? Well, I'll get into this in our The Boss segment, which will debut this week, talking about kind of some of the, the, the best performances over the, over the weekend and give it up to Hawaii, uh, what they've been going through uh, in, in that state. Uh, certainly deserve better leadership locally, nationally. Um, I mean, this is not a political statement, but it, it's appalling how poorly everything was handled before, during, and after. Um, and so I can't, can't only imagine what's going through those kids' minds as they hop on a plane and travel. And I've been to Maui. I took an Atlanta to Maui flight, and that's nearly 10 hours. So Hawaii to... Once they get to Nashville, I don't know. I'm, I don't know right. if that's nine. Yeah, uh, assuming they didn't stop anywhere, uh, you know, the Hawaii budget is not necessarily the same budget as like an SEC school. So I don't know how they how they strung that all together. But it's a long way to go. Going through some tough times. I didn't know if they'd be able to get off the carpet and really play like a a team that didn't have distractions, but they did. Now I'm still an AJ Swan guy, and I will tell you the people that I've talked to say that's the best quarterback prospect out of Vanderbilt since Jay Cutler in terms of best ability. Um, that is, they, they, they've got their signal caller. 
But the, the, the issues at Vandy are still the same. And, and I, I look, I, I'm a Clark Lee uh, guy, or as some people in the media called him over the weekend, Lee Clark. Uh, Clark Lee is a good coach and the right fit, but I, I, it doesn't mean that that they're still not lacking the things that Vandy lacks. They just they don't have uh, incredible firepower on offense, and they don't have just sideline to sideline blazing speed on defense. They're not there yet. That was not going to be built in 12 months, 24 months. So, look, I still think Vandy's going to do fine. But, no, it was not a great performance. And, of course, it's played in a stadium where you got cranes holding up the scoreboard. You had a lightning delay. You've got nobody in the stands. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's not the best home field advantage for Vanderbilt. But the bottom line is they won the game. They're 1-0. It's going to be tough there. I mean, the portal, you'd think the transfer portal in the NIL may help a program like that because they do have – it is a rich school. Uh, but they put all their NIL money towards baseball because that's what they're great at. That's right. Um, and maybe basketball, in, in, too. In, in football, they uh, you know you, you can go do like Bobby Johnson did because I credit Bobby Johnson a lot with what James Franklin was able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he left – he recruited redshirt and recruited redshirt and built, built, built. Um, well, nowadays, I mean, look at their running back from last year. He's at Kentucky. You know, he's gone. And that was one of their best offensive players, you know. How do you replace that guy if you're Vanderbilt? How do you go recruit now? Um, you know, and, and then his kids will get there, and, and, and that may be their, their one shot. Yeah, you found this kid. Well, now he's really good, and SEC coaches and other schools are taking notice, and uh, he's sick of the academics, you know, because they are rigorous. So he gets to the portal and goes someplace else. So without NIL money and without uh, that, that that's a tough job. I have uh, I kind of feel for my friend Barton Simmons, who's the general manager there in charge of recruiting, because it's there are more challenges there than there normally have been. Um, so that that that's something I'm, I'm keeping an eye on with that program uh, moving forward. But uh, certainly, you know, and look, teams change week to week. Opening games sometimes are closer than they should be. The the favorite escapes, they laugh it off, they go work harder, and they blow, you know, who's next for them, UNLV? They go blow UNLV out in Vegas next week, and, and every, all will be right in Vandyland. Vandyland, is that like Candyland? Vandyland? I'd rather be in Vandyland. Vandyland. More pressure on Florida or Utah on Thursday night. And I say this because expectations are not high in Gainesville. You have the columnists down there writing about, you know, take it easy, old Napier, this year. It's going to be patient. On paper, it's not, you know, good. And then you got Utah, who absolutely blew that game last season in the swamp. Uh, they have the you know, two two straight Pac-12 titles. They do have quarterback issues. Uh, who's the pressure on, Mike? Is, is it oh, oh, I almost want to say Utah. Who's the pressure on? I, I love the question, but I actually think – it's it's Florida, man. I I mean I now Cam Rising. They still are listing him one on the depth chart, but I have to think they're being coy. I mean, the kid just tore an ACL. What nine months ago? Is he really going to start in week one? I realize guys recover from that quicker than ever, but he's a guy that does move around a lot, and I you're going to risk your whole season 
if you're Coach Whittingham, well, I think I've said this for years, is one of the most underrated coaches in college football. Are, are you going to risk that to win one really big game in, in Salt Lake City? I, I just don't know. I think the pressure's on Florida. Uh, Florida's going to be an underdog in half the games they play this year. Okay, If you look at Vegas lines with that schedule, Florida is going to be an underdog in about six of the 12 games. You lose this after going six and seven with a loss against Vanderbilt in week one. And if Cam Rising doesn't play and you lose to the second or third string quarterback that Utah has to offer, uh, I realize there's a top five recruiting class on the horizon for Billy Napier, but that's not going to make the fans feel happy right away in Gainesville. Some of those other coaches that got fired uh, put together top 10 recruiting classes, as you well know, JC, that wasn't enough for them to find success or keep their job. I don't think Billy Napier is or should be uh, on the hot seat in the second year, but that doesn't, ma- that doesn't matter to the fan base there, who you already uh, highlighted in detail the way they look at things. And there's, there's no secret. Like Some people were not wild about that hire from the, be- from the beginning. Um, and so you lose that game, and you look at the rest of the schedule, and all of a sudden you're flirting with another 500 season. When's the last Florida coach that started with a couple of 500 or below seasons? I can't think of them. Yeah, it's uh, that would. Be I, I don't know who his name is. Even Will Muschamp, like year two, had like a a ten win season. It was the, eleven the and two. Eleven, 11 and two. And yeah. Two. So so it wasn't it wasn't Muschamp. Uh, McElwain, who will be forever known more for uh, being photoshopped uh, nude, pressed up against a, a shark in a boat as opposed to, to making it to back-to-back SEC championship games, but he did make it to back-to-back two, SEC championship Two straight division titles, man. And Mullen, Whether he caressed uh, a shark naked or not, he did do it. Uh, so, Mullen's Mullen 2020 team uh, oh, was Mullen, one of yes. the best offenses in uh, college football history, nearly not off Alabama, beat Georgia right. badly. Uh, exactly. You know, in, in his first two years, they went to, uh, uh, I guess, I, I think the, the Peach Bowl and the Orange Bowl. The two, so he had, he had like uh, two BCS bowl or New Year's Six bowls, and then a uh, you know and and a trip to the SEC championship game his first three years. Right. Where I mean they they could have been in the playoff, and then uh, had it not been for the shoe incident, my shoes. Yes. Uh, if anybody can say where my shoe is from, uh, I'll give you I'll give you a dollar. Um, it's from Eddie Murphy, delirious by the way. Uh, it wow. you know and. Uh, you know, and, and then and then he has one bad year, and, he, and people are like, "He's an ass, he's a jerk. Let's get rid of him." You know, um, th- and so Stuart Mandel or Pete Thamel one predicted Napier would go. Th- I think it's Stuart Mandel three and nine, and he'd be fired. <laughs> that was the prediction. Well, by the way, that uh, does Stuart know the buyout for Napier? I get it. it SEC schools it's pay buyouts. Hundred million. I don't know. Well, it, it's like I think it's like close to thirty. Yeah, now, look, they, Auburn spent 20-something to get rid of Gus Malzahn after Gus had a lot of success. I, um, yeah. I, honestly, I happening. think if, if the Bull Gators down there want to make a move, number one, they're going to have to pony up. Number two, Strickland's probably going with him, just to be uh, honest. I, well, I mean, yeah, of course. If I'm the AD and you're telling me to fire my coach yet again after two years, I'm going to be like, maybe this isn't the place for me to 
to be do my athletic directoring, right? Well, you know um, how it is. A, a lot of AD's success are based on the football hires. So yeah, Dan Mullen no and Billy Napier, I, I, the, the fans might make that decision a little bit easier anyway. They're not going to go three and nine. They're not going to go three and nine. That would make they, them 15 and 23 over Yeah, yeah look, they're not going to go three and nine, but, th- but they could go six and seven again. That is conceivable, and mm-hmm. that, that ain't going to cut it. And so um, – Again, I, I think you'll see Billy Napier around regardless in 2024, but that doesn't mean that there's not a ton of pressure, and it all starts to circle back to your question with this game won at Utah. I, I agree, and it's uh, it's looking Tennessee-esque in Florida right now. I like Tennessee's dark period where they went through the wilderness and somewhat in the abyss. Yeah, it's getting there because well, the, if Billy you know, doesn't work out. You're yeah, absolutely you, right because then gone, you're looking at yeah, back you've gone from guys who were inconsistent to got to now a string of losing seasons, perhaps. That's right. At Florida, yeah. who the fuck it? You just who don't have the scandal of of Tennessee. You know, oh no, you know, yeah, you know the yeah. drama. The drama's yeah, not it's there. It's going to be hard to match the juice, the juiciness of that thirty for thirty, which we talked about again with with Bill King. If you missed that episode uh, last Thursday, yeah, be sure All to right, check that out. By the way, that Bill King yes. interview. It was a, he brought the heat as he always does. He, yes, yes, he did. Okay, so uh, Michigan's found all kinds of coaches. I guess Harbaugh and Sharon Moore, the OC, are not coaching in this game against East Carolina. So. That's kind of significant, I think. Um, East Carolina's got a coach, Mike Houston, who's been building that thing. They've gotten better and better and better every year. They have athletes. They have players. Uh, they're not like your mid, name your mid-level Mac school going up there. Right. They're not Eastern any, Michigan. Any shot at an upset? I don't know. I just keep looking at this game going, don't just assume. I know Michigan's very good. Yep. Don't just assume they're gonna you're gonna roll in there and knock off the mighty pirates in the big house, missing your coaches. I mean, really, because if the OC doesn't coach, Jim Harbaugh can always call plays. He's a great play caller, but mm-hmm. not, but he's not there. So so if you if an inexperienced play caller doesn't know what he's doing, I mean, is it is it realistic to think that Michigan could just line up and go student body left, student body right, let JJ McCarthy call the plays? And and be fine against ECU. I don't know. So what you're ta- what you're saying is take the Pirates plus the thirty six and a half. <laughs> thirty six and a half is a really big number. Arr, ahoy, mateys. Arr. I'll take the points, but I'm taking Michigan to coast. I mean, I I just think I, and everything you said about East Carolina is true. They're a great story for a number of years, going all the way back to the Coach Logan days when they were always. It was like. East Carolina and Southern Miss, you could book it every year. They were going to spoil some Power 5 team's season by putting it on them in a game that they weren't expecting. Um, but lately, it's become harder and harder to do that at ECU. Just the With all the realignment, and I saw this happen at, at Southern Miss. I mean, my goodness, their facilities there. Uh, maybe they've improved. I haven't been there in five, six years. Maybe Hattiesburg got a got a facelift, but it's kind of sad to just watch everybody else improve, 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 and you're still there. Now those again, those directional schools in Texas, like North Texas, we talked about SMU, like, like they they actually still have so much money rolling in that they've had facility upgrades and they've been able to keep up with that. Um, 
in the case of ECU, I mean, it's, it's a cool place to play. They get great crowds, great fans. But I just think with everything that's kind of changed over the years, it's tougher and tougher for them to be that spoiler program. Uh, they're kind of in a different box now. So, yeah, I'm – I, I, with all the things going on in Ann Arbor, I, I, I understand your concern, but I think they, they coast. They, they end up coasting and getting it. Uh, I don't know, man. I, something tells me. Something tells me. Ahoy. Ahoy, Mike. That's all I have to say. That Ahoy, feeling. I, I sense you're almost ready to call your shot. You're you almost ready to, you're ready my, to my, go uh, Pirates I'm of the Caribbean. Ready, ready to go. Get Captain Jack Sparrow. Anyway, all right, the All-Coast Conference is trending. Uh, not to get into this too much, but now it looks like it. And, and by the way, thoughts and prayers out to folks in Chapel Hill. Stupid, yeah. senseless shooting yesterday on campus by an obviously deranged individual. Mental health folks, please, please get help before you get to that point. I mean, it's just sad and sickening. Uh, but they were going to meet, and it looks like there's more support now for uh, what I don't think is a good idea at all, adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU to the ACC. So your thoughts on that, Mike, and how that helps, hurts, doesn't? Uh, you know, what, what are you, what are your general thoughts on on that? Because now it looks like it's going to be, it's a realistic possibility. It happens. It's it's beyond realistic. I I would say it might be sixty forty. Now I think since you mentioned it, I think the North Carolina tragedy has delayed. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the uh, movement on that. Basically, when you hear the story, when the, the Pete Thamels of the world report the presidents are getting ready for a phone call to discuss it, that's when you'll know it's a done deal. The presidents don't plan that phone call until it's it's done. Um, so when you see that, you'll know it's it's about to happen. Like they already know. It's kind of like Congress. Like you you know when you got the votes before the vote even comes in. That's kind of like the way these things happen with conferences and expansion. Uh, they don't have the vote unless they know they've got the votes. I, we, we could do a whole show on the good, bad, ugly of all this. I understand why uh, you would say, like, what's the point of this? I'm sure a lot of ACC fans are going, what the heck? And what it comes down to and what it so often comes down to is the dollar. It, they, they're going to add approximately, and I've heard this number change a dozen times, but let's just say it's around $50 million. And the, the thing of the deal is, compared to almost every other situation that's happened recently, Stanford, Cal, and SMU are saying, we don't want an equal piece of the pie. And so the ACC is like, okay, we can get these schools, get extra money, and we don't have to give much of it to them. What they're also going to do to try and keep Florida State and Clemson happy, if that's possible, is to make most of this extra money incentive-based, i.e. the programs that keep winning the league and playing for the, in the playoff, they're going to get most of the TV money. Whereas, again, like Vandy, Vandy could go 0-12, and they're getting just about as much as Alabama is on pure TV money. There's a little bit of extra bonuses, what have you, but it's a true equal slice of the pie in the SEC, in the Big 12. It's not that way with this deal. And that's why I'm starting to really believe that this is going to happen and that that's what it's all about. And they'll figure out geography and scheduling when 
we figure it out when we got to figure it out. But in the meantime, I think the ACC is like, we got to do something. Everybody else has done something but us. We've done nothing, and all we've done is had to listen to a few programs bellyache about how badly they want to get out of here. So let's do something, and this is the best they came up with. It gives them an odd number, too, 17. That's weird. Yeah, I don't even know if that matters. So, I mean, with bye weeks and out-of-conference games, like, yeah, you, know, and, you know, you know, it doesn't have to fit perfectly into an even number. Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe they had another down the road. or you know, the, Notre Dame's not joining this league in football. I think by now that the, the cat's out of the bag. Like, everybody realizes that ain't going to happen. So just don't count on them to be a major part of – uh, ACC football anytime soon. Major and then, Mike, part. you know as well as I do too. Like even though streaming is 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 getting more and more popular, I think a lot of companies, quite frankly, jumped the gun with it and invested too much in it to start with. Uh, eventually, in ten years, we'll be talking more about streaming than anything else. But there's still value in those markets and in those cable markets. And if you add Dallas and or even the most of the state of Texas, because there's a lot of you know, SMU's not a huge school, but, you know, they'll at least get Dallas-Fort Worth and the Bay Area in their footprint, and maybe a lot of other spots in California and the Lone Star State. Those are two of the biggest states in the country. So they're, for I mean, if you're just talking ad dollars and, and you know, uh, attractiveness to advertisers that pay you big money, uh, of course they want to have, have their product showcased in markets like Dallas, Fort Worth, and San Francisco, Oakland, and mm-hmm. places like that, you know. And, of course, they want to have their products uh, showcased to, like, a national alumni base like Stanford. Um, you know, so there is more money, and, it, and that's the only reason they're doing it. And uh, this this move here, you know, Southern Cal UCLA to the Big Ten bothered me, but I kind of laughed at it because I was like, they are a bunch of hypocrites. Remember the alliance? Yeah, to your anniversary of the infamous remember, remember alliance. Remember the Dagum alliance, and then they're like, "Oh no!" Just, you know, stabbed them in the back. This, this, this is almost like, man, uh, you know, you really start thinking about, man, is this is this really good for the for the game? And 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 would we not be better off just breaking major college football off into one big league, uh, and then regionalizing it from there? Because you, you'll go back to the future at that point. If it's one big 65-team league with a commissioner and divisions and all that, you know, th- then you'll have, okay, the, the major league southeast or the major league north or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 you know I, I've kind of evolved on this. And, you know, once it got to the point where the ACC is going to add freaking Cal and Stanford, <laughs> I'm just like, uh, you know, that just it, it just reeks of nothing but a money grab. Uh, and decisions are being made by – the people that have the money to make the decisions, right? That's what makes the world go round. I, I will say this on the money front. Um, again, I always get a kick out of when when somebody talks about issues like this, and they're like, they think they, that this this light bulb in their mind goes over their head like in a cartoon, and they're like, I know what it's all about, and nobody else does. It's about money. Yeah, no blank, Sherlock. Thanks for thanks for joining the party of information. Of course, it's about money. But when I hear the word greed, I think there are a lot of programs, uh, conferences, conference commissioners, they didn't want all this. But if 
if you don't stay ahead of the game, you fall further and further behind. So that's not a sign of greed. That's a sign of survival, right? I mean, they're already making a bunch of money. So if you want to call them greedy, go ahead, call them greedy. I, whatever. I don't care. I don't. I'm not here to defend these people or speak highly of them or what have you. But this whole notion, like, well, they're all greedy and the players are all victims. Like that's the same narrative you've heard for decades and decades and decades. The bottom line is, whether they're greedy or not, you have to think about money. Otherwise your opponents are making $50 million more a year than you are, and that's a problem. You can only sustain that for so long before you keep falling further and further down the ladder. Nothing is guaranteed, as we've already documented on this show. Just because you're a Tier 1 program or a Tier program doesn't mean that it's your God-given right to stay there for the rest of time. And anybody can drop. And if you if you continue to just say, ah, money's not that important, I don't want to be greedy, well, the Big Ten and the SEC are making a hell of a lot of money. So if you want to remain even uh, competitive with them, you've got to find other outlets to bring in more cash. And I think that's what's going on as much as anything. I don't think they wanted to have to do all this. They're doing it begrudgingly because they need the money. So whether or not you want to call that greed or just survival, Take your pick, but that to me is what's going on. Great, uh, great JC5. Terrific work there, uh, sir. Uh, I loved all of those subjects. We'll take a uh, break. We'll come back with a new segment. Pay, pay the cost to be the boss. Uh, James Brown said it well. We'll talk about some of the top performers over the weekend. Also, look ahead to the uh, games coming up this weekend. A good week one slate. Speaking of good, elite roofing and restoration, elite roofing and restoration. Uh, based in Atlanta, but servicing Georgia, the Carolinas, Florida, and parts of Tennessee. Uh, I just had another friend of mine, a storm came, and literally a roof destroyed his patio, and he's going to have to have some roof work done as well. Schedule a free inspection. This is a good phone number to remember because there's nothing bad that comes out of getting an, uh, an inspection and a quote. There's a lot of bad that happens if you just ignore it. Uh, if you wait too late on a roof, you could really be up the creek without a paddle. 678-781-1998, 678-781-1998. Jeremy Johnson, over 25 years experience in this space. Uh, you can also email them, elite roofing and restoration at gmail.com. Have them come out, check it out, and make sure they take good care of you. We will take good care of you on the other side. The Boss debuts on J.C. and Morgan when we come back. Hey, folks. want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, Titan. CGinc.com. That's TitanCGinc.com. Get in touch with Brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients. That's Titan Construction Group, a proud sponsor of the JC and Morgan podcast. 
Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time. The roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCAndMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. Uh, bootleg movie channels, JC, that we were talking about that you can get free on your cable system. Again, can't get the pack, pack whatever network <laughs> to watch the reigning Heisman Trophy winner play. But I can get uh, Logo, Vice, uh, Freeform, and they have some good movies. You got you know, there's commercial breaks edited, but they're, they're still good movies. The Rocky marathons have been playing left and right. And whenever I see Rocky IV, I think of the Godfather of Soul, James Brown, singing Coming to America, introducing Apollo before, may he rest in peace, uh, he, he took one on the chin from Drago. Throw the damn towel! I blame Stallone on that one. Um, clearly. I must, I must break you. Yeah. I must break you. I, hey, did I, you know that uh, Dolph Lundgren went to Clemson? What? Are you serious? Look it I up, dude. On his, uh, he he did, did graduate from there, but he studied uh, mechanical engineering there for like a couple of years. But yeah, it's like colleges, Clemson University. So, he's a so that must have been type. pre-Rocky Four, right? Yeah, I think it was Rocky long Four, before was... his yeah, acting career started. I think it was before his... Yeah, uh, yeah. Could well, you imagine? it all worked out, Dolph. It, it's, yeah, the, I, it's, the, it's the late 70s, early 80s. You're, you know... John Q. Kid from Pendleton, South Carolina, at Clemson. You're sitting in the Drago. I got this German guy in my dorm. His name's Dolph. <laughs> he's, 
Nice he guy. Says he says <laughs> Every time I leave the laundry on his side of the dorm room, he says he's going to break me. It's, uh, I must break you. It's an uncomfortable situation. Okay, so we're, we're breaking in this new segment. It's the boss. The performers this week that earn boss status. You ever been called a boss, J.C.? You ever been said, man, that J.C., he's boss. He's the boss. Yeah, he's the boss, yeah. I mean, that, that was more popular, it's more popular about 15 years ago. Yeah. Oh, we're bringing it back, baby. I mean, so so was James Brown. But in my mind, the godfather of soul never lost his popularity. Okay, let's get started. Who's the boss of week zero? Zachariah Branch, Southern Cal, 232 all-purpose yards and a 56-28 win over San Jose State. Uh, uh, as you well know, J.C., the number one receiver in the 23 class by 24-7 sports, top 10 national recruit, and he showed it. The freshman just completely was, I mean, obviously Caleb is the best player overall in the field, but that particular day, Zachariah Branch stole the show. He was the boss. I'm with you. What a player. I think we're going to be hearing his name a lot here in the next few years. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, four touchdown passes, 251, and a 42-3 dismantling um, of Navy. Again, I don't think Sam Hartman, I think a lot of people are still kind of being introduced to Sam Hartman. They know the name. They know he won a lot of games at Wake Forest, but they don't really appreciate what Notre Dame has. Uh, it's a definite upgrade from some of what they have had. Sam Hartman, the boss in Dublin. Workman-like performance. Number three, hey, don't say we don't cover all the bases here on J.C. and Morgan. How about the other Gamecocks, Jacksonville State? They will battle South Carolina later this year. In a 17-14 win over UTEP, Jacksonville State recently joining the FBS ranks. Rich Rodriguez, did you know, was the head coach. Rich Rod trying to take a dip in the fountain of something. Over there in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, uh, Rich Rodriguez and the Jacksonville State Gamecocks picking up the dub. Rich Rod, you're the boss. Yes, sir. He's, he, he ain't done yet. He finally got the Gamecocks job. I remember a few years ago, he was up for the, the, the bigger Gamecocks job. And there was a little bit of, uh, I don't know, non, non-truthful information that came yeah, out yeah, yeah, about yeah, him yeah. being offered it and he didn't get it. He's finally, well, you're finally where you want to be, Rich Rod. Uh, but right. no, I, I, I don't think we've heard the last of him. I still think he's a really good coach and certainly uh, uh, hats off to Jacksonville State for that one. John Brown of UMass. You heard me. Don Brown of UMass upsetting New Mexico. You don't just go into Las Cruces in front of a hostile crowd of 8,200 and knock off the Aztecs unless you got a few things up your sleeve. Now, the name Don Brown sounds familiar, and I forgot he even took this job, if we're being 100% honest here. He is the same Don Brown that was at Michigan as the defensive coordinator for four years in Ann Arbor. And of course, he was a punching bag every time they lost a game. Uh, then he spent one year in Arizona. Now he's back at UMass where he had great success his first run. Look, UMass is one of the most difficult jobs in Division One, without question. Uh, so pretty cool of him to pick up a win in a, a mild upset, let's call it. As you mentioned, New Mexico State was a bowl team last year. Don Brown, boss man. And Happy the last for them. Yes. Last one uh, from me, J.C., Hawaii football. I know they lost to Vanderbilt, but, again, everything that they've been through to go there and make that 
a competitive game. Timmy Chang, the former quarterback, uh, taking his squad into Nashville and making a game of it when most people thought that would be blowout city. Timmy Chang is the winner. Knows how to win in Hawaii. Woo! Ah, yeah. And that concludes The Boss. Week zero. Some of the top performers in college football. Some games you heard of. I don't know how many eyeballs were on Jack State, UTEP, or UMass, Go State, but they all count. That's the beauty of college football. I I have serious uh, questions as to whether or not we'll mention Hawaii, UMass, and Jacksonville State again on the show <laughs> this entire season. That's right. But, maybe, but maybe everybody gets well. their day in the sun. Everybody yeah, gets everybody their day does. in the sun. We spread the love here on JC and Morgan. We spread the love. Uh, okay, let's spread the love here on week one. Here's what I have for the top five games. See uh, what you think, JC. Um, Thursday night, Utah-Florida, we've talked about it. That should be just a fun game to watch. Utah is what Billy Napier wants to be at Florida. Billy Napier does not fit the typical DNA of, like, Spurrier and some of the offenses. That That's not what he did in the Sun Belt at Louisiana. He just mauled people. He plays under his old mentor, Saban. He plays and, and – teaches and kind of formulates the way Nick Saban did old school Bama before Lane Kiffin got a hold of the offense. Ground and pound, thrash, beat you up at the line. That's really Billy Ball. And that's the way Utah has been winning games under Kyle Whittingham and winning conference championships. So this will be a kind of a preview of what Billy Napier hopes to look like in Utah. And we'll see what Billy Napier and Graham Mertz looks like at quarterback for the Gators. Uh, I've got that one. I've got Florida State LSU. I've got uh, the Battle of the Carolinas. And then um, I threw in a couple. West Virginia, Penn State. And how about Coastal Carolina at UCLA? The Chadwell era is over, but they've got this quarterback. You may have heard of him, J.C. He's been around there for about 12 years who keeps threatening to leave and then keeps coming back. I, I think that could be an intriguing game. UCLA is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't think Coastal made a good hire. Uh, and, 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 and we'll see. I mean, maybe they did because you know how it is when you say this is not a good hire, is a good hire. <laughs> you never know. Um, the system, you know, my question is, is what – what kind of system is it going to be? I know Travis Trickett's on staff there now, and he's a he's a guy that I've known for a long time that does a good job. I wish him the best, but I think they're going to get run out of that stadium. Uh, my bigger question with that game is how many people are going to be there. Mm. Will we have another embarrassing Rose Bowl crowd for UCLA? Uh, West Virginia, Penn State's intriguing to me, man, because I – West Virginia's being picked last in the in the Big Twelve by just about everybody. Yeah, below the new teams coming in, and, and my thing is, have they really fallen off that bad? I watched them play some last year. They they didn't win a whole. They were competitive. Uh, Neil Brown, I mean, that's a guy. Uh, when we talk about guys that could get fired in the middle of the season, I, I think Neil Brown's a guy to look out for uh, with that one. You know. Uh, and then the top three, I think, are the top three for the weekend. You know, Georgia Tech, Louisville uh, intrigues me a little bit because it's Jeff Brom's debut. I want to see, you know, here we are, how many years after the Paul Johnson era, if Georgia Tech has any signs of life under Brent Pry. Uh, that's kind of intriguing. That one's Friday night. 
Uh, other than that, you know, hey, give me Michigan East Carolina as a potential blockbuster <laughs> ball game. You, know. you are all over that game. I'm all over the all over the Pirates. Arr. Uh, by the way, two quarterback battles as we sit here on Tuesday that haven't completely been decided. Yes, in Alabama, it still sounds like a, a Jalen Milrow uh, versus Buckner deal. I don't think Simpsons really has a chance at the job right now. And and while it is Tommy Reese's offense, it really isn't. You know, you say, well, he's got an advantage. Buckner does. It, it, Nick Saban's not he's going to put his own fingerprints on that offense when it's all said and done. So Milrow is, is the better runner, as we all know. He's also a fumbler who had a nightmare performance last year in the A&M game. Remember that game? I mean, he just – it was deer in the headlights, man. I, mm-hmm. I, it, we're not used to seeing Alabama with this big of a question mark under center right before week number one. But that's what you have in Tuscaloosa. And then Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, Ohio State. I haven't made a decision on that one either. That's interesting because, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Devin Brown may be the guy. So uh, who knows? Who knows what will happen there? That's uh, That Ohio State situation is intriguing to me because, I, yeah, I know everybody in Columbus is like, yeah, we got to beat Michigan this year. But, man, you got to go to South Bend early in the season too. And, and there's some other potential potholes. You know, don't don't just be thinking – I think sometimes when when you have a really good team, uh, especially when they got a new quarterback, they're breaking in. That's a, a product of a quarterback battle, and they're just focused on the one game they lost, or, or the one game that cost them last year, which it really didn't cost them anything. They still went to the playoff. Um, you can get sort of distracted and, and fail to focus on the task at hand, uh, and that would be unfortunate for Ryan Day. But that's uh, those are all very interesting battles as far as Bill Rowe goes. If he can throw the ball at all uh, and, and keep defenses honest, I don't think Bama's going to need a uh, gigantic passing game this year. You may see something completely different. We talked about Rich Rod earlier. You may see that style of offense. Uh, Tommy Reese will run the quarterback. He ran Tyler Buckner 12 times against South Carolina last year. All of them were designed runs. Mm-hmm. So what do you, I mean, he may run Milro 20. And yeah. Milro can run. So, but uh, – I mean, that may be, we may see a, like a totally different Bama offense than we've seen the last few years because they, they're loaded at backs. They're loaded on the offensive line. And if Milrose the guy, he can seriously make things happen with his legs. I, I think people are going to be reminded just how special Bryce Young was. That's my, that's my thought this year. And look, a lot of people are already picking Alabama to win the national championship. If not, at bare minimum, get to Atlanta. And they might. Even with this, but I'm telling you, there are going to be there are going to be moments not against uh, Middle Tennessee, but there there are going to be moments this year where you're like, man, Bryce would have made the right play there. Bryce would have made something happen there. Bryce wouldn't have made that mistake. Bryce would have held on to the football. Bryce wouldn't have taken the sack. They lost two games by four points. That's what kept Alabama essentially out of a playoff last year. And so some people might forget how good Young was for those two years that he was the starter, including the Heisman year, but. Um, they might be reminded because I haven't seen enough out of Milrow to think he's in that category as of now. So we shall see. We are in the category of out of time. JC, just some final thoughts on uh, for those that haven't already checked out the the website, to uh, the podcast, the this, the that. Inform everybody sure. as we continue to yeah. grow listeners each and every week. 
jcandmorgan.com. Hit that mailbag question. We'll answer your questions. Also follow us on Twitter at jcandmorgan, uh, Instagram at jcandmorgan. Uh, and then there's the, uh, the chief app. Download the chief app. Uh, right now, you know, you'll get this show. There's some other nationally kind of scaled shows, regionally scaled shows. Uh, you know, obviously we got a lot of ties in South Carolina and that's kind of what it is now besides this show and some other things, but we've got a lot of other things that will appeal to all college football fans. So go get it on the ground floor. You don't have to open it unless we're on, right? You can go ahead and download it. Uh, you get a notification every time JC and Morgan and our smiling faces are here, uh, and, uh, and, and have some fun. Uh, so download Chief App. We'd really appreciate it. And, uh, of course, uh, shout out to all of our sponsors, including my personal sponsor, uh, for this segment today, Chancel Construction, uh, out of the Grand Strand in South Carolina. Really appreciate Chancel and, and all that they've done for me, uh, and allow me to do kind of everything I do. So shout out to those guys, uh, as we end the show today. As well, uh, Blue Delta, BP Skinner, Synergy, Elite, Palmetto, uh, Medicare and uh, Lifetime Fitness uh, in Atlanta. Don't forget they've got those shared co-working spaces. To you, uh, make sure to get that in your Rolodex as well if that's what you want to do, 404-446-9475. That'll do it for us this week. We encourage you to stand by. We'll be back with another installment of J.C. and Morgan soon. Until then, for J.C. and our terrific producer, Phil Molinax, Mike Morgan saying so long. Enjoy week one, everybody. From head to top, be